really got to try on that left-hand side. What happened? <laughs> oh, but I've gone up and over, and Marty had over biscuit. It was a, uh, it was, a, it wasn't enough stability there for myself. But um, no, I was busting for a bit of meat this game. It didn't seem to work out. Hello, cheers, and welcome, welcome, as always, to the Scrum of the Earth, the podcast that offers news, results, predictions, and much more each and every week. As always, I am David Lawrence. I'm an American rugby fan who follows as much rugby as I can all over the world, and this uh, little bonus app will be proof of that for sure. So, as I said, you are listening to the Scrum of the Earth. It is a weekly podcast with lots of bonus episodes to boot. In fact, this is yet another bonus app right now. There was so much rugby this weekend, I just knew I, I couldn't watch and cover all of it. So before the normal weekly pod, which is still coming, I did want to first look at uh, what I'm calling my first four, uh, but just by which I mean um, the, four, the four early matches that I watched in their entirety, each representative of a different league or competition. Very cool stuff. So for our weekly episodic podcasts... Uh, the Scrum of the Earth does have a specific format, and it goes thusly. We do current events, that's just what's up with me personally, no big deal. News, self-explanatory, uh, thoughts of the week, what's interesting or annoying this week. And then we do reviews and previews, uh, in between which we will have our newest segment, the Diamond and the Ruck, which amounts pretty much to my f- player of the week. Uh, not much more than that, but uh, that's the standard format, and we always stick to it. Of course, as you know... This is a bonus episode, which means we're going to skip all that usual stuff just to get to whatever the bonus episode in question is about. And in this case, as I mentioned at the top, today I want to look at what I'm calling my first four of this weekend. Uh, So in this case, it's going to be the Southern Knights defeating the Watsonians in a top-of-the-table clash in the Scottish Super Six, Uh, Bristol losing their first home game with a crowd in almost two years to what should have been a vulnerable Saracens squad, then uh, we're going to look at Taranaki dispatching the boys from New Zealand's capital in the NPC. Uh, I'm going to assume you all can figure that out. And finally, Australia, again, defeating the Shocked Box in the boringly named Rugby Championship. What a game. And what a, what a result. Two in a row. So, as always, thank you so much for tuning in. You know, please, please, get in touch. I am at of Scrum. I can always be found at thescrumoftheearth at gmail.com. Please get in touch. I can't wait to hear from you. Thank you so much, and let's get to it. Okay, to talk about these four matches sort of overall as a whole, by the way, got my big fat mug of tea here again. It's full of honey. Ugh, it's really good. Ever since I discovered this little uh, pod secret, it, it's my whole new thing. I love it. Anyway, got my big fat mug of tea, and I'm good to go. In case I'm talking too fast, that is why. It's good tea. So, the thing I really enjoyed about all these four matches as a whole, you know, was the fact that they were all very different styles from one another. So, to be fair, they were all at different levels. So, I started with a semi-pro league whose resources are obviously very limited. Though not compared to the women's game, obviously, that is a talking point that the main pod will be sure to address. Uh, <clears throat> anyway, meanwhile, the, the, the Premiership, of course, are as well-funded as you can be as a modern rugby league. Uh, not going to go down that rabbit hole with the, the side comments. And then you have the NPC. It's a big unknown for me. I think they're comparatively well-funded, but then again, I'm not even sure what I'm comparing it to. And of course... 
the, the, the last match, we end with one of the most sought-after international fixtures imaginable. So it obviously has the most money, the most infrastructure, etc. But on the other hand, you've got like 17 chefs all trying to season the pot and stir the soup or whatever the uh, the metaphors are. So I'm kind of fascinated by how each situation differs on every imaginable level. It's just, you know, it's intricate. It's ridiculous. I am 100% here for it. Okay, let's start with the Super Six, where the Southern Knights, you know, they, they really separated themselves from the rest of the pack. They, they defeated their closest rivals, the Watsonians, who had been league leaders early on. You know, this is making the road a lot more difficult for those in the race in these final weeks. I think there's only three left. Uh, so uh, I'll admit I had the least notes about this one out of my first four, but that doesn't mean it wasn't thoroughly enjoyable. I really liked it. So for what it's worth, Super 6, you are doing it right. The whole one game Friday, one game Saturday, one game Sunday thing, that is just just right. It's just great. And and for me, the time difference, of course, makes all of these lovely ex- afternoon fixtures for me, which is just a, a lovely thing for an autumn weekend. It's It's been really nice. Uh, I've been very impressed with the overall quality of this league, especially since it's semi-pro, like it's hard to imagine. So tackling to me seems to be the biggest soft spot, I would guess. Uh, it seems like lots of players make a lot more yardage than they would if there were more effective defenders uh, in their way. But obviously that makes for a pretty exciting product, you know, if you enjoy scoring, which I do. And there's always a, a sort of an anything can happen kind of feel to every game, which is which is cool. In any event, uh, while Watsonians got the score close a few times throughout, and it looked kind of close towards the end, you know, Southern Knights, they never looked worried. They took care of business with borderline eerie calmness. Uh, I think Watsonians and, and the Ayrshire Bulls were bo- both sort of uh, served notice about who's going to be at the top in the last few weeks. My hope, of course, obviously, is that this will reinvigorate these other teams, make these squads, you know, angry get them ready to go, make these last few weeks a dogfight. It could be really exciting. In the meantime, congrats to the Southern Knights. This was a statement victory and definitely well-deserved. Okay, next, and I'm sure some of you will be annoyed that I uh, didn't lead with this, but I'm going in order of how I watched it, and I, I saved this one. So let's look at the opening game of the new Premiership season uh, with Bristol welcoming the Saracens to Ashton Gate. So, first of all, let's just say it. How good to see fans back in that stadium. The, the energy they brought, ugh. You know, it was it was a thing of beauty. It was, it was really cool to see their crowd full and in full voice. Of course, though, part of me thinks it's totally bonkers. Part of me worries they're just going to shut it all down after, like, week three. Uh, the whole thing seems so weird right now, but... They were there. It looked good. They seemed so happy. It must have been a great day to have been a Bears fan. I mean, at least for like 25 or 30 minutes. I felt like there was a certain inevitability about this result. I feel like that's really bad news for Bristol. Uh, the Bears looked as good as they could have to, to start the game. They, they seemed to be doing everything right, including building that scoreboard pressure on a team that isn't used to being behind. Uh, you know... It started to look good, but in any event, you know, chief in my notes was Bristol isn't going to get a better opportunity than this one. 
with all the Saracens players that we've that we're looking at that are resting from the Lions tour, that there's a ton of them. And you know, something I hadn't thought of until just this weekend, in fact, there's so many current players who are playing for the Springboks right now who are also Saracens. This side did not look anything like it's going to when the season's in full swing, and that is bad news for the Bears. Okay, as I say, you know, they started off strong, and by the way, Charles Pietau's hair might itself be one of the top 100 rugby players in the world right now. I think if I picked, you know, nine or ten of the best players I could imagine to face off against his hair, his hair would just kick our asses. Bonus point style. Anyway, um, Callum Sheedy looked awesome right off the bat. Everything looked good for the for the Bears. It, it looked like they were doing everything right. Callum Sheedy looked deadly kicking those penalties, but... Penalties are not how you beat the Saracens. So once the tries started coming, you know, the other way, you could just feel the match snowballing. You could, you could feel the crowd getting increasingly deflated. Um, it must have been a slow, painful burn for them. It must have been rough. So a couple of random scribblings from the match. You know, at one point there was a shot of John Alfoa on the sideline, and the graphic said, John Alfoa, Bristol player and scrum coach. Is that right? Because uh, I, I want to see him in the scrum, but I do like the fact that he might be coaching the scrum. I just hope uh, he's getting two checks instead of one. That would be pretty cool. Uh, another, the the most random one of all, uh, is Pat Lamb wearing a clatter ring? I remember those things from high school. I, I had no idea they were a going concern. I, I wonder if he's uh, you know going steady with someone. Uh, meanwhile, <clears throat> on the Bears, Luatua, great, great player, but does he have issues with his contact lenses? Like, constantly? The, the, the blinking, I feel like one of them is going to go, boink, come out. I've been there, so I know. Um, but other than that, uh, it, there's got to be a reason for the blinking. It's, it's something else. Maybe maybe there's a Morse code thing going on. Wouldn't it be incredible? Well, no. I guess if, the, if there was a complex code, his team might have come closer to winning. Okay, by the way, I've got to talk about Austin Healy. Austin Healy is one of the lead commentators. So for my American listeners, Austin Healy is a, a controversial commentator. He uh, was one of the main go-to people for this game. Um, his whole shtick seems to be never say anything good or about anyone or anything. Never. <clears throat> Make sure you take plenty of pot shots and cheap shots of people. So me personally, no, not a fan. But He's obviously got a lot of fans. I think it's his very uh, controversiality, I'm making up a new word now, uh, that makes him popular. In fact, I know that he's a big deal because the Prem picked him for their opening match. Like, this is the the, the face of the new season. Uh, they wanted him there. Uh, I find that surprising. It, uh, I was under the impression there was a, a much bigger wave of uh, – ire against him than like but maybe i'm wrong and maybe people are like yeah, yeah that's his shtick but i like it anyway so and it's obvious this guy butters his bread by making people argue about him so i want to stop doing that right now but i am curious among my own listeners do you have an opinion about austin healy do you care do you not care is it probably best to just sort of look the other way do we just not look what are we gonna do to stop those monsters, one, two, three. Here's a fresh new way that's trouble-free. It's got Paul Anka's guarantee. Guarantee void in Tennessee. Just don't look. Anyway, the way the game deteriorated for Bristol over time was just really distressing. So even around the 57-minute marker, I wrote, 
crowd is out. No smiles, no support, no hope. And from there, it was like an avalanche at one point, and I don't know where it was. It was in the 60-minute range, I think around 66. The series made it 9 to 21, and then at 70, it was 9 to 26. In my notes, it says, this is a huge loss for the Bears. But of course, it's a very long season, and overreactions are just part of any week one, right? So I guess, but 9 to 26 was the final score. If you're a fan of the Saracens, well, first of all, what's wrong with you? But no, seriously. Um, you've got to be ecstatic about this, right? Like it, it really means you can field a second team or a third team and still expect some success, like against good teams too. Away. This must be like, wow. It just shines a light on a nice path through not only the Prem, but the Euros as well. I feel like this is just, it's positivity day at the Saracens. It's great news for the rest of us. Um, they are looking for blood this year. And uh, they want to make the look uh, the the entire premiership look bad for ever banishing them, and I think it might work. Well, after that, I did manage to catch Taranaki beating Wellington in the NPC, a game in which you know defense was not particularly a priority. I would say. So going to my notes, it, you know, it was a very close affair for most of the way, but you know, as a neutral, you really felt like Taranaki, you know. Very similar to the control I saw by the Southern Knights, they just had too much presence, too much calmness. They just didn't seem to be looking at the score at all. They were just looking after their own game plan. And boy, oh boy, did it work. They, they never even raised an eyebrow in this victory. Um, the, the score looked close. I'm not sure it was. I mentioned here, the, the crowds, like, where is everyone? You're in the country where it's basically totally safe. You're utterly, utterly bonkers for footy, and yet there's hardly anyone here. Like... Very odd to me. Is there a taking it for granted thing? Is it just like too much? Like, well, well, yeah, I can go to great, great footy any weekend with a huge crowd. Eh, I guess I'll skip it. Is it that? Because, ugh, I don't like that. Another question for the listener. Okay, when I watch the NPC, it reminds me a lot of Major League Rugby. So now hear me out. So I do think if there was a tournament between the two leagues – depending on the format, it would be very likely that an NPC team would come out on top. I, I think they would probably prevail. But I do think we have a, be- a bigger emphasis on defense here. I think we play a little less loose, if that makes sense. <laughs> of course, I'm thinking of like the, the fan who's uh, you know arguing with me who would say, oh yeah, uh, I would spin that the opposite way. Rather than less loose, you could of course say tighter, which changes the complexion of the comment entirely. Uh, anyway, I would just love to get some some expert feedback here. How do these leagues compare? NPC versus MLR. I want to know. Uh, I'm going to take the MLR for now because uh, I don't have any uh, hearsay otherwise. So uh, I'm going to stick with it for now. Please let me know. In any event, there was a tiny window of hope for Wellington right there at the very end. Oh, man, it was close. I was scribbling furiously. But at the horn, you know, Taranaki forced yet another final turnover to ice the affair. I think it was at like the 82nd minute where that turnover came. It was crazy. Uh, Final score, Taranaki at home defeating Wellington by a score of 32 to 26. And again, I will say really wasn't that close. Oh, and not not really rugby, rugby related, but this match, what a day. What an absolutely spectacular day for some fast paced rugby. Am I right? So cheers to Taranaki. 
already topping their conference for this season. Uh, looks like things are going really well. And then the next morning, there, just waiting for me, like a little breakfast gift, was the South Africa versus Australia match, which, much as last week, was super exciting from the get-go. Okay, a little side note. So, by the way, all of you who have been listening to me, uh, you've been listening to me complain about Flow Rugby for a while. Uh, they are the flaming dumpster fire of sports streaming services. And, you know, got to give them credit. They really went for it this week. So the first commercial during this match, uh, surely they placed it skillfully, like right after the first try or the first scoring opportunity. No, well, maybe maybe uh, they could sneak it in during a scrum reset. There's always time that no, no. Uh, first commercial, simply bashed in like a sledgehammer in the middle of your head, in the middle of some serious action. Showed up at the. <clears throat> I'm gonna clear my throat very intentionally here. <clears throat> at the fifty-second mark. What's that? Fifty. Five zero? Are you sure you meant seconds? Yes, my friends. They quite literally couldn't wait even one single minute before minimizing the viewing window to, in order to show me, once again, the ad featuring, that's right, infants with cancer. Thanks, Flo. You have truly laid claim to the title of worst streaming service of all time. It, it's getting hard for me to see how anyone might even challenge you at this point. Like, I... It's kind of a runaway. I almost feel like it's not worth following the competition right now. Again, anyone out there from Stansport, please, please, just get in touch. Let me show you a video of what your product looks like in this country. You will never go back again. Anyway, okay, actual game notes. So it was pretty early in the game. Uh, Faf gets yellow carded. And it quickly led to a, a Wallabies try. So my question, please, listeners, again, please get in touch. Is Faf always doing kind of really dumb stuff like this and just not getting penalized? Is he just getting away with it? Or was he just having an off day today? I'm really curious because uh, I'm torn on him. Um, and and the feedback I'm getting about him is, it seems equally divisive. Uh Here's a random side note. Did you notice Quade Cooper? He looks like he just hasn't had Botox. It looks like he's had Botox on his entire body. It's like he got a spinal tap hooked up with Botox in it, and he was just like... Uh, odd comment, I suppose. Uh, Ikatao's try in the corner after Tupo's incredible break. What a thing of beauty that was. You know, the Aussies really brought some extra confidence and extra sharpness today, I thought. Um, it was 12-3 at 21 minutes. The fact that Cormbete actually passed the ball, too. What a day for Cormbete. The offload pass there, it was, like he, it was like he was imagining a replay of Bowden Barrett from last week, and he just did the exact same scoop, amazing, super hyper-fast pass. Oh, it worked out so good. Uh, I would love it if Marika Cormbete – you know, figured out that next level. I'm sure there's fans out there who are like, there is no next level to him. But I think mentally there is. I think he, he gets out of the game early if he gets frustrated. And I think he tries too hard. I think that pass represented a new thing where he's like, yes, I'm on a team. And uh, when I'm getting tackled, I sometimes can't get out of it. And it might be better to offload it. I thought that was just great. Oh, it was such a good try, too. It was just beautiful. 
Of course, I wrote down South Africa still look dangerous. Uh, it will not; they will not be down a nine forever because Faf was out of that time with the with the yellow. Uh, I mentioned uh, Andre is definitely back on his game. Another easy penalty for him. I don't. I don't think Andre Pollard missed today. Uh, I would have to check. Uh, then, of course, another card. Another one of these accidental cards. Uh, if they had stuck with a red here. Uh, this would have been the first time I became one of those furious people complaining about it on Twitter, you know. But the fact that they brought it down to a yellow, it still felt absurd, but it placated me somewhat. The talk between the, the ref and the TMO, that even the, the comms and the broadcast were like, who's even in charge here? It was really strange. Um, that was a weird card. Um, face on face, but like sometimes somebody runs into you. That, that was tough. I'm sure there's going to be a lot of uh, controversy uh, 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 from which I will remove myself entirely for the entire coming week. So halftime, it was 15 to 12. Aussies, obviously. Bad news for Tom Banks. Uh, sounds like he has a broken arm. Uh, the brave face he put on, it was something else. I know there's lots of Wallabies fans who have been asking for him to not be picked. I know lots of people were hoping Reese Hodge would have gotten this start anyway. Uh, I don't think anyone wants this to be the way that Banks uh, loses his starting spot. Um, I thought he was having a pretty good game too, so that that's bad news for him. He's a young man. I, I hope he bounces back and is even better than ever. I hope he comes back to the Wallabies and becomes a, a real contributor. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> so it, it becomes halftime, right? One of the things I love is that they'll put a mic on a player just as they're leaving the, the field when they're, you know, just sucking air and exhausted. So they did that to Nick White. Uh, so after talking to an exist, uh, exhausted Nick White, the comms said, uh, oh, well, it's really tough to talk when you're breathing in seagulls. Breathing in seagulls. Can someone, anyone, please explain that one to me. I love the the Aussie uh, little tropes and dialects and funny comments uh and i don't i assume the cat's nausea but uh it's tough to talk when you're breathing in seagulls i i mean i can speculate but i'm not going to anyway uh the match continued the wallabies were terrible under the highball today almost all day they gave it back to the box with great field position over and over that is not a formula for success i was convinced all those little miscues they made under the highball were going to cost them the game. I thought they, I thought this was going to be one of those. Uh, we could have had it, we should have had it, but these few mistakes, it looked that way to me, big time. At the sixty-minute mark, Tate McDermott came in. I was happy to see him. I really like that guy. I think he's awesome. It was still eighteen seventeen at the time, and then an amazing try from Marika Korembete, twenty-five to seventeen at the sixty-third minute. I have a random side note here. Why is Mel Pippi trying to fight every single Wallaby? Did anyone notice that? Like, the Springboks were fairly non-confrontational except for Mel Pippi. He's like, fight me. Fight me. I'm going to grab you by the neck. I'm going to grab you by the scruff of the neck and the hair, and I'm going to grab you by the neck, and I'm going to shove you. And it was weird. And the <laughs> the Wallabies over and over seemed to be like, what? What are you doing? That What? They were as confused as I was. I, I wonder if anyone knows what's up with that. Maybe it was a coaching thing. Maybe they were like, Mel Pimpy, you're not tough enough. Go out there and kick somebody's butt. And he was like, uh, 
I'll, I'll try. And the other team was like, uh, not today. Uh, by the way, amazing moment. Quade Cooper, again, so I didn't think he was as brilliant uh, sort of in general gameplay as he was last time. His kicking was still amazing, but there was an incredible moment. There was a, a sort of a broken play where the ball went past the last defender for Australia. It was sort of dribbling back. Quade Cooper had to go running back, you know, not not backwards, but running with his back to the defenders to go get it. He looks up at the Jumbotron just for a split second just to see where the defenders are coming up behind him. Like, that is next-level stuff. It was so brilliant. Just a single glance, changed the way he was going to move, changed his uh, trajectory. It, it was awesome. Like, the guy, the experience, you just can't put a price on that. Of course, my next big note was, it just says, wow. It was a shocking turnover uh, by Reese Hodge, by the way. <laughs> Huge play by him. Led to an incredible breakaway. Again, Marika Korembete goes over... 30 to 17 just before the 70 minute marker he looked absolutely cashed he looked like um can, can i just sit down in a rocker and put my feet in water right now because i'm dying um my notes mention i actually kind of like this so i i wrote down malcolm marx's line out throw in has to be the best in the world it's just like an arrow um of course the the note in particular says uh, this time the, the mall did get dragged down into into touch turnover wallabies at 71 minutes but they quickly coughed back up penalty for the box to follow but then just everything started to go the aussies way hooper of course michael hooper with an amazing turnover aussie ball 72 30 gone by and then this is why i mentioned the uh, the previous note right after i mentioned that about malcolm marks Guy has the line out, th- uh, the line out throw, not straight is the call. Australia ball at seventy six minutes, it's, it looks done, right? And then Karevi, what a turnover off of Malcolm Marks of all people. It's like I was just shooting myself in the foot with my little uh, mini predictions in, in game. Karevi, he had an incredible game. He was so good. And then while he was in the middle of making that great turnover, he got absolutely cleaned out. Uh, they spent, in my opinion, way too long actually looking at it. Definitely look at it. And uh, the, the comms started to get frustrated and really went the wrong way with it. So, like, he got cleaned out. It was a no-arms tackle. It was a shoulder-to-head smash. That's exactly the kind of thing we're trying to get rid of or <laughs> that we don't want to see in the game so much. Uh it was exactly that thing. Like it almost looked like he got popped out of a bottle the way he went backwards so fast. And the comps say, eh, do we really need to look at this when the game's already gone? Uh, yes, you idiot. Yes. That's exactly when we need to look at it as in fact, all the time. That's the whole point. What a dumb comment that was. It was incredible. Uh, anyway, it was a yellow card. It, it seemed consistent with this weird ref. It was a really weird performance by the refs. This, you know, it was a very strange all around. Uh, as the hooter sounded and this game ended, Australia must have been so happy. The roar from the crowd as the hooter sounded, it was, it, it was so nice. And, you know, I got to say it, I'm happy to say, I could not have been farther off in my predictions for both of these tests. I have to say, it, it's really good to be wrong. 
you know, this makes the whole tournament a lot more compelling. I admit, I, I want the Wallabies to be good. I think it feels it feels like it's good for rugby in general when the Wallabies are good. And in case you didn't know, it's been three years since South Africa has lost two in a row. Incredibly, they actually lost twice, twice in that same year, 2018. Uh, they dropped two to the All Blacks at home in South Africa. That must have really hurt. And then they lost twice to England away in the autumn at Twickenham. I really wonder what boxer are, are what their fans are thinking right now. So if you are one, please let me know. Uh, and same goes for you, Wallabies fans. You know, though I think I have a pretty good guess how you're feeling right now. I feel like uh, you're feeling pretty high. You might be uh, too drunk to talk about it right now, but uh, good for you. Uh, good job. Um, incredible game. Again, what a series within a series. And congratulations to Australia for proving me super wrong. It was super fun to see. In any event, uh, it was just really cool to see such differing styles all in a row, especially. You know, that's absolutely my favorite thing. That's why I'm doing this. That's why I call myself the scrum of the earth. And that's why I watch rugby all over the globe. It's it, Following these different styles, these different leagues, these different competitions, you see all these iterations of the same beautiful sport. It's the coolest thing. It's like a, every weekend is like a junior version of all the great international tournaments. So being able to see these first four, as I call them, of an incredible rugby weekend, it was a real treat. Uh, be sure to let me know which matches were your favorites and what you thought about it and uh, anything else you've got to talk about. I am at of Scrum and I'm always at scrumoftheearth at gmail.com. Please just let me know. I love hearing from you. So, okay, that definitely does it for this week, uh, for this bonus episode at least. As always, please, please, reach out to me anytime, anywhere. Uh, I'm at of Scrum. You can email me at thescrumoftheearth at gmail.com. Believe me, I'm very responsive. If you want to help spread this pod to other rugby fans, I would love that. Just, you know, share, share, share. If you could bring yourself to leave a nice review, that would be really helpful. And you'd be the second person to do so. And <laughs> that would be pretty cool. So I would love that. As always, thank you all for listening. Thank you for coming along with me for this pod. Thank you for joining the Scrum of the Earth. Cheers. Talk to you soon. And be well. It gives me great pleasure to be here today. Oh, that was neat.